Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Spill, a movie night podcast. I'm your host, Chelsea. Film Spill, if you don't already know, is a podcast that comes out every week and we talk about a movie by a female filmmaker every episode. We also discuss women in the entertainment industry in general, play summer party tape games, spill entertainment gossip, and get to know each other and our guest. This week, we have a very special guest, Stella, who is a content researcher with Onyx. Stella, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I was just chatting with Chelsea before this and told her I'd always wanted to be on a film podcast because I love the Bechtel cast and discussions of film and media. So thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Um, So yes, I am currently the content researcher with Onyx Films here in LA, um, which basically means, so I have a theater background and I did, I'm mostly an actor, but I also really enjoy dramaturgy and research. um, So I kind of wanted to translate that to film too. So that's why I'm doing content research with Onyx. So if anyone needs any kind of historical or literary research for anything. That's kind of what I do. I also um, was able to write and direct my first short film with Onyx last year. It's called Pauline and Her Sadie, um, which is an amazing opportunity. Um, Like I said, my background is mostly theater. So um, I went to USC. I double majored in theater and law history and culture. Um, And so I didn't really think I would be able to do more filmmaking kind of things um, just because like I didn't really do a lot of that during school, but Onyx has been a really great way to do that and meet people. Um, so yeah, and it's it's led me to this podcast. So I'm super grateful. Um, and it's so good to meet you, Chelsea. <laughs> well, thank you again. I know I already think do once, but thanks again for coming on. I yeah. really appreciate it. <laughs> And that's interesting that you say that you have a theater background because I also have a theater background in school. That's all I did. And um, I gravitated towards film in college because I didn't even know like that you could really get into production. I always thought like, oh, you're going to be an actress. Like you're just going to be doing in front of the screen. And then I realized once I got to college, I'm like, wouldn't it be great if I was well-rounded and (laughs) I got to learn like the behind the scenes and what it is to be a producer, what it is to be a director and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. how did you start seeking out production? Like what made you start gravitating towards that? Yeah. So, I mean, throughout college, I really kind of just thought like, yeah, I'm going to be an actor. Theater is my thing. I think it was just more of my comfort zone. I wanted to get more into film. I mean, not even just acting wise, but otherwise. Um, But yeah, since I was a double major, well, and a minor, I had a musical theater minor too. So because of that, I just like, I didn't really get any film classes just because I didn't have room in my schedule. And um, in the School of Dramatic Arts, um, it was all acting technique classes, but, um, and some of them were on camera, but most of them weren't. So yeah, I kind of just didn't have exposure to it. I was like, I don't really know how to get into this. But yeah, I mean, it's something that I really wanted to start doing. And I think like maybe a lot of it was just I wanted to get over the imposter syndrome of like, oh, I can't really do filmmaking related things because I don't have experience and I'm going to look stupid or whatever. Um, But through Onyx, I wrote and directed my first short film and I was like, you know what, I totally can do this. Like everything I've learned from drama school and from my peers totally applies to this too. Um, and I need to just stop doubting myself. So I don't know. I think it was more just like a mental block. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't exactly know what exactly I want to be, but but I like that. I think I don't think anyone really knows exactly what their 
goals are. Like I am still trying to be an actor, but I also really loved directing and I want to do more of that. So yeah, I think it's just nice to be a part of a group of people who um, are open to trying new things and giving people an outlet for uh, just, yeah, just doing things they've never done before. Would you see yourself directing and acting and writing in your own <laughs> short? Oh my gosh. Okay. So I've thought about that. Yeah. So when I did my short film, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So the short film I made, it was kind of based on real life experience. And at some point I was talking to some friends and they said, well, why don't you just play the part that's basically you? And I didn't want to do it then because it was my first directing experience. So I really wanted to just focus on the directing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I can eventually see myself writing and or well, either writing and acting or directing and acting. I don't necessarily want to do all three at once. Like, I just, I feel like if there were to be a film where I wrote, directed and starred in it, it would just be like a little bit too much. Um, not even just like taking it on, but I also really believe in giving someone else some creative control. Um, I just think it would be more interesting if I liked it two of the three and not three of the three so that someone else could have like, I don't know, just some creative input on it. I think it would be more interesting that way. So yeah, I, I definitely want to keep experimenting with that, see what happens. Um, and yeah, and I want to direct other people's work too. Um, yeah, I just want to do it all. <laughs> do it I all, but that. not all at once. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like now, like nowadays, it's all about like being well-rounded and doing everything because yeah. like yeah. for so long, there was like a stereotype that like you had to be good at one thing and then just categorize yeah. yourself like that. And then I don't know now in days, like everyone just does everything, like especially in the social media realm where you're like having your own podcast, you're doing mm -hmm. YouTube, you're doing like whatever yeah. it is more like brand sponsorships. But also when it comes to like film work, it's like a, you're seeing a lot of more female directors doing it all, like producing, yeah. writing, oh gosh, directing, so like Olivia Wilde. She just did yes. Don't Worry, Darling. And I didn't know she was going to act in her film. I was not <laughs> expecting her to be in it. Um, but she does a lot of the time where she just stars in her own films and she'll write, direct it. I mean, yeah. I mean, in the feature films and series like Insecure with Issa Rae writing and producing and uh, starring in it. Yeah, I mean, so many people do it all. And I think that it makes projects really personal and just really fun and interesting. I love that people are doing that more. And also like dedication for your project yes. when you just want it to be done and you want to fulfill yeah. that. Because sometimes crewing up can be hard when you don't have a team or you don't have people yeah. that you work oh with God, on a regular. Yeah. That's something I've been noticing now, now that I'm getting into like more of like the director role. It's like, all right, crewing up. Who do I want to work with? Like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to work with people because they don't have that same determination or they don't have that same passion for your project as you do. Yeah, and it's not like yeah. you're expecting every person that you encounter to have that sort of passion like you do because it is your project. Oh, yeah, but there's some people who love doing it and will, you know, have that same like work ethic for anything that comes their way. But what have you seen like directing your own shorts? Like how do you, how do you feel with that role and just like, meeting other people and having people be part of your team. I mean, I was just so scared to do it at first because, well, the, the short that I wrote and directed, it was just so personal and vulnerable. And I just felt so scared um, to do it. And I was pretty new to Onyx at the time. So I didn't really know a lot of the people that I ended up working with. 
Um, but it was just such a good experience and combining people. So the person who starred in it, um, my friend Hannah Cruz, she star or yeah, she starred and she's a really close friend. So having her act as um, sort of my writing character was really good because, you know, her and I are both actors and we both um, like have a lot of the same thoughts about acting and a lot of the same values as far as that goes. So it was really easy to communicate with her, like what my vision was and what was happening. Um, and because we're friends, like I just felt really comfortable giving that role to her with the subject matter and everything. And then a lot of the other people I worked with were people who I didn't know really well at the time, but they were just so understanding and so helpful. Um, and they really, really just came through with, you know, just like really like treating the material, um, you know, like, like you said, of course, not everyone's going to have the same passion for it or, you know, understanding of it because it's not their project, but they were just like so gentle with it and they could tell that it meant a lot to me. So they treated it like with a lot of respect um, and they had really great ideas. Um, and yeah, like, I think sometimes like you do have to put yourself out there with that. So it was just a great learning experience all around. Um, and yeah, I really hope to get more experience with that. I need to get on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was great. I, I got really lucky with that one. Oh, I'm glad. That's good to hear. That's really nice to hear that everyone came together and like respected your project. Cause you know, sometimes that doesn't always happen, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> but no, and it's great. Cause like Onyx does bring you like a great community of people. How did you find Onyx? Yeah, so I found Onyx through my friend Britt Balthazar, who I went to USC with um, in drama school. We went to drama school together. <laughs> the trauma of drama school brought us lots of great friendships. But I kept seeing her post about it, and I was like, wow, this looks like a really great group of people. Um, so yeah, I applied, got in, and the rest is history. And it, it's just also so good because there are people I know like Brit and a lot of other people from USC who I know who are in Onyx and it's been really good to like continue my work with them after graduating. But then there's so many people from different schools um, that I didn't know before. And it's just been so good to work with everyone else. I think like at USC, um, fight on. <laughs> Anyone else who went to USC, I think you can like relate that a lot of people at USC are maybe like a little like stuck in their ways, maybe a little bit pretentious at times, not everyone, but a lot of people. <laughs> um, so it's good to so it's really been really good to like, work with different people. Because um, also USC like it is a big school, but it gets small at a certain point, um, with like the film students and drama students. So it's just been good to connect with different people. Yeah, it is. Because like, when you're stuck with the same people, you kind of yeah. <laughs> want to expand yourself and just like meet mm -hmm. other people. And finding communities like Onyx helps you do that because it brings communities from different areas together. Like yeah. I wouldn't know this many people in LA if I didn't find Onyx. Like I would be <laughs> completely oblivious and not know um, anything or not even have the people who back me up now. Like I've been doing Onyx now for about two years. I don't know if that's like the same amount. You probably, I think you started oh, before I, guess, I did. I guess I, oh my gosh, wait, I guess I have been in Onyx for two years. That's crazy. <laughs> I know, yeah, right? I know. Time flies. Oh my gosh. I, I keep forgetting it's 2023, which means 2021 was two years ago. Oh my gosh. Crazy. Um, yes. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess that was it. Yeah. I joined my last semester of college. Yeah, I did too. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, no, that, that was definitely a good time to join because then I'm like, okay, nice. I'll have a community of people who want to collaborate after I graduate. I won't just be like flailing. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, when you're about to graduate, you're like, okay, um, what am I doing next? Like, you yeah. don't, you're not going to be in touch with these people anymore because you're not going to see them in our regular. Like, I didn't even have the campus experience. So, like, I wasn't like, in yeah, person going to college. That's so true. But I knew that I didn't have a community. So, like, when mm-hmm. I wanted to start making my own projects or just, like, meet people in film as well, this was, like, my only way to do it at the time. I mean, now... I'm like, I still looking back, I feel like I wouldn't be where I am right now if it weren't for Onyx, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Such shout out to Onyx. Shout out to Onyx. Such a good group of people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's been great. It's been great. And I hope that like we continue to grow. Yeah. When I, yeah, when I joined, I joined as marketing and outreach um, as a co-chair with someone else who was already doing it. Um, and because that person had already been on Onyx, they were kind of doing everything and, you know, with different projects, people already had their like kind of PR and marketing people. So I was like, wait, I'm not doing anything. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I did end up, and most of my involvement when I first joined was, um, doing my film, which was part of also, I didn't mention this, it was part of the anthology based on her true story. So that was my involvement to start out. And then, yeah, after that, I realized, oh, wait, okay, this is probably not the right role for me. So that's why I told Jordan, oh, I think I want to be content researcher, which is just a role I made up based on my interests. And so that's been a much better fit. And it's also nice that we're in a community where we can kind of like switch around and see what works best for us, what the organization needs and what we want to do. So that's been really good. Exactly. Like you're able to just like try out different roles and see which one you like or which one you prefer, um, Mm -hmm. which has been great. Like I know I didn't even think I was going to want to direct. I was like, no, I'm just going to be a producer. Potentially, maybe I'll write occasionally. Like I still barely write, but like, you know, just occasionally there. And editing, I thought I was going to leave it too. Editing is like just revolves around my life at this point. So I can't leave it. <laughs> and then directing just like slid right in into my DMs was just like, hey, just try this out and see if you like it. Directing and also because slid into your DMs. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I was directing for kids a lot when I was working as a Aww. teacher. I was working for a te- as a teacher for a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Um, and so I was sweet. like, if I can direct kids and I can direct adults. So oh my God. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get right into it. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. Today, we're going to talk about Sophie Hyde's sex drama film. Good luck to you, Leo Grand, 2022. But first, we are going to play our slumber party type game. Yes. <laughs> So I wanted to call this like truth or truth, but I was like, that sounds boring. So instead, I wanted to call this game spilling the tea. Yeah, I think that's more accurate. Yeah. If it's something that you can't think of, let me know. Okay. Um, And we can always skip it. Let's get right into it. Okay. So number one, what is your biggest fear? Probably fire. When I was little, I went to a hibachi place and the fire kind of blew right in my face and I've been afraid of fire ever since. So I guess that's like not great because I live in Southern California where there are fires all the time, but I'm going to go with that one. And then I also just, I I hate spiders and scorpions and that kind of stuff too. Um, And then as far as like more psychological biggest fear, I guess failure. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like mine are similar, like not going to lie. Nice. (laughs) My biggest fear, well, it's not the fire, Um, but I mean, fire can be scary, but I would say that like my biggest fear when it comes to like creatures are definitely spiders or snakes. 
Ooh, yeah. Not a fan of snakes either. I, like, just, I can't I have, even hold one. I haven't one. really seen snakes, so maybe that's why I'm not as, as afraid of them. But yeah, Oof. spiders. Yeah, just, yeah, spiders get me. Yeah, spiders get me too. Like, I really don't like spiders. And then, like, when it comes to like something psychological or something like internal, I think failure for sure. Because I feel like that's always in the back of my mind. Like, oh yeah, I try not to think about it because like that's so cliche like that cliche like disappointing it also can just mean so much like failure does you know there's so many types of failure unfortunately exactly and like we're all in like different parts of our lives so like that could oh, mean yeah. like a variety of things that like we could feel like we could fail at you know uh, imposter syndrome plays a big factor in that as well it's like oh God, feeling like yeah. you're not good enough to accomplish a certain career goal or task especially with being in film and theater and just anything artistic there are so many people who grew up like either in the industry or like kind of adjacent to the industry or there are people who like got a lot of training and experience and like I don't know I don't know about you but like I started like in like high school and then college like I don't know I did you know theater in high school but then I didn't take a real acting class or like do anything like interesting or like really like legit until college and so going into that I was like oh my god I'm like the least experienced person here which I wasn't but it's scary it's really scary um so yeah I think being in entertainment there's just a lot of that probably anyone we would ask what their biggest fear is who is in film would say failure too yeah no it's true like for when I was younger, I put myself in everything. Like I personally signed myself up to be in singing lessons. I did dance. I did acting. And because I thought that I needed to be like everyone else and get Mm -hmm. the training that everyone else was getting. But the thing about that is that like my family didn't have the money to afford me being in all these classes. Same, same. Okay, exactly the same situation here. Yeah, so I felt like I was losing out when everyone else was progressing because they did have the money and they could take the classes. Let's do the next question. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, we can go on all the tea. <laughs> okay, number two. What is the most embarrassing thing you've ever done? Ooh. <laughs> um, okay, I'm trying to think. What is the most? Em- like I've, di- a different, I've done different types of embarrassing things, for sure. I would say that most of my top embarrassing moments all happened in one night in college. <laughs> um, so they, it was my junior year in college and I was on this retreat for this theater extracurricular group that I was in called Impulse Theater Company, shout out. Um, and the people in there, I mean, luckily the people who are in that group are just really nice. And I like, you know, I know they're not actually judging me for embarrassing myself, but like at the same time, I really did. Um, so we were in, uh, we were at Lake, Lake Arrowhead, which is in, it's, it's probably like an hour away from LA. And we were just like drinking, having a good time. And because of the altitude, since we were in the mountains, we got drunker a lot faster Um, And at the time I was like, I am a lightweight with drinking, but at the same time, like I also, (laughs) I also just was not really used to drinking. I didn't drink until I was a junior in college um, because the first two years I just like, I don't know, I just didn't really feel like it. And so like, I was just like, you know, you know, I wasn't used to drinking and then the altitude just like kind of fucked me up a little bit. Um, And so I got way too drunk. And then I I did a lot of embarrassing things this night is the moral of the story. Um, And I'll list them now. (laughs) 
Um, so first of all, um, speaking of musical theater, I drunkenly danced to Out Tonight from Rent, which I don't remember doing, but I can imagine it was really cringy and embarrassing. Um, so there's that. And then I also, okay, there was this guy who I really liked, this guy who was in the theater company, we were friends, but I'd had a crush on him. And I like drunkenly confessed my crush on him. <laughs> Um, so there was that. Um, and then, you know, like we did kiss a little bit, but I was sloppy because I was drunk. Um, and then I was just like, okay, I think I'm going to go to bed now. And then like I went to, I tried to like find my room that I was supposed to be staying in. And I was like just really drunk and disoriented. And so then I like yelled up to um, the room that I had just come from. And I was like, wait, where am I going? Where am I going? I don't know where I am. And I started like freaking out and I was just being way too loud. Um, so yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just a weird night. Um, and that is the night that I did several embarrassing things. So there's that. How about you? At least you can blame it that you were drinking. True. Like blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> blame it on the alcohol. Blame it on the fact that I just like was not used to drinking at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did the same thing though. Like I didn't start drinking until like I was in my twenties where like literally I was about to turn 21 and I just moved to the city. So mm -hmm. there was like happy hour signs all the time oh, and I would just go yeah. in yeah. and I would just get drunk. Oh I'm just like, whatever. I had it's a long day at work. New York. There's a lot of drinking. I mean, there's a lot of drinking in college, but New York I've just found like is a very like drinky city. So that makes sense. It really is like legitimately there is just that's how I became how I just got sucked into it where <laughs> I was drinking for a good chunk of like my early 20s from like 20 to my like 23 I was like blacking out drunk going to restaurants by myself meeting random people black, like not knowing what happened <laughs> well let's go to number three yes what's a secret you've never told anyone now it doesn't have to be you know really like personal but it can be just something that's like nonchalant interesting hmm this one okay this one's tough because I, I feel like any secret I have I've told at least one person and then anything that I haven't told someone is something that I don't necessarily view as a secret it's more just I don't feel the need to tell anyone hmm I don't know if I have one for this one wait do you have one um I don't know. I feel like I tell people everything a little too much. I'm like yeah, so same. like straightforward a lot of the time yeah. where I'm just like, I don't even care anymore. I'll just say it how it is. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there's like strengths and weaknesses to that because yeah, some people don't want to hear it and see a bit. I'm like, I didn't even think about these questions beforehand. Um, <laughs> Maybe a secret I've never told anyone. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I do. I do believe that I struggled with alcohol, not to the extent where I was an alcoholic or you could diagnose me like that, mm -hmm. but I do feel like I use that as, uh, I guess, like a, as an emotional support. And I felt yeah. like I needed to do that to be a better person around certain people, um, yeah. to be more outgoing and to be yeah. so like flamboyant with my actions. And that mm -hmm. that was my excuse was, oh, I was drunk. So yeah, 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 I guess I have like one like kind of on the flip side of that. Um, just because yeah, I mean, addiction and alcoholism and just like relying on things as a crutch is definitely something that affects everyone to some extent. 
I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, I have one similar to that. I like, this is not, I guess this isn't a secret I've never told anyone, but it's something I haven't told many people, which is that like the main reason I didn't drink, <laughs> this is so funny. All of our questions are connecting. And the main reason I didn't drink when I was in early college is because my dad is a recovering alcoholic. And I think because of that, I just like, what I told myself was, okay, well, he's an alcoholic and that's gross. And he's treated us shitty because of that. So I just like, don't even want to associate with that. And yeah, I mean, I guess the more secret part of that is like, in a way I was afraid like, oh, well, because I'm related to him and I don't know, because of, you know, just the way that addiction runs in families. Like, I guess I was afraid that if I like started drinking at all, even socially, that maybe I'd also struggle with alcohol. So yeah, I mean, that was something I was really afraid of that I guess I haven't really shared with anyone. But yeah, I mean, it's just such a spectrum. Addiction looks so many different ways. And like, sometimes it's more harmful to you. And sometimes it's more harmful to other people. And yeah, I don't know. But it is good. I, I do think it's like a good thing for you to admit, like when you think you're like drinking too much or relying on it for certain reasons because like like me like i've never considered myself someone who relies on alcohol but um but yeah i do have to think like what is my view of myself like am i viewing myself more positively when i'm drinking like what is that um i don't know i guess there are just a lot of ways you have to be conscious of how you're thinking about yourself and your personality and how fun you are and all of that when you're drinking versus when you're not yeah, exactly. I think that's what I needed to come into realization was that like, I don't need alcohol to be fun or outgoing yeah. or to like be in certain settings. We are spilling the friggin' tea. We are getting real with this tea. Yes, exactly. The whole point of that safe, yeah. safe room. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Number four. What is your biggest fantasy? Ooh. <laughs> My biggest fantasy is being able to be a working actor and not have to have a day job. <laughs> I think that's it. And you know what? Maybe I'll achieve it one day. We'll see. <laughs> so that's it. Just, you know, being able to um, make money doing what I love, I guess, is my biggest fantasy. How about you? Same. Yeah. Here, <laughs> hustle and bustling. That's where I am right now. At like this point in my life, like I want to focus so much on just making my dreams happen because I feel like... I'm going to be in my 30s in the next like four years and oh, really? I don't want to be in my 30s. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. I'm still in my early 20s, but I feel like uh, there's so much existentialism around being in your 20s. It's too much sometimes. I know. And people are like, don't put a don't put an age to it. And I completely understand that. Get it. But I just don't want more time passing where mm -hmm. I'm not doing anything to be where I want to uh, be. Yeah. You know? I know what you mean. So that's my fantasy. I do want to get paid to either run this podcast or to direct yeah. shorts, to direct television. Like for sure, I want to I want to do that. Yeah, and that can definitely happen for either of us. So we just got to we just got to keep on going, keep doing what we're doing. Yes, mark our word. This yes. is <laughs> today, February 12th, 2023. Yes, yes. we Super have predicted our future. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Number five, Ooh. when was the last time you cried? I, I cry a lot generally, so this one isn't hard to think of. I Okay, the last time I cried was two days ago when I was in therapy because therapy be making you cry. 
It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> How well, that's you? awesome, though, that you are going to therapy. Yeah, I love, I love that. It's, it's like yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Everyone who can afford to be in therapy should definitely be in therapy, even if you don't think there's something wrong with you. Um, well, you don't, not that anyone has anything wrong with them. There's just, you know, just life just throws a lot of stuff at you and you have to talk about it with a professional so that you don't put the burden of talking about it on everyone else in your life. Exactly. And there's just some things that it's just better to talk to it with a stranger rather than someone who yeah. knows you. Cause like someone yeah. who knows you just, and it's not that they're telling you things that you want to hear. Yeah. But, but like they can just, tend to do that more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you want to just a different perspective on things. Honestly, oh, I was yeah. doing better help for a little bit. I want to mm -hmm. definitely get better back into therapy, but highly recommend it was like, it was like a life changer. Like, Having someone yeah. else tell you things in a different way, like I said, in a different perspective, like really opens your eyes and just like the way that you think about things that like you never yeah, would have known another way if someone else didn't tell you that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It really helps you see the patterns in your life because sometimes there's something that's happening in your love life that like reminds you of something that's happening in a friendship or something that relates to something that happened in your family. Like it all connects. Like, it's really interesting for someone to just see you as a whole person and, like, view you as that person. But also, like, they have expertise. They know how to make the connections and figure out why you're thinking the way you are. And, yeah, you just – it's just – you can't really get that anywhere else. Exactly. So if you guys want to look up any therapy, BetterHelp is a – I mean, we're not sponsored by BetterHelp. We should I was gonna be. Say, I was going to say, a lot of podcasts are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp – Film Spill is your next sponsorship. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let me know. Hit me up. Filmspillpod at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that concludes our slumber party type game. That was fun. That was so much fun. I am so glad that we like went in depth with that. Yeah, me too. It was a great combo. I learned a lot about you. Yeah. Oh, that's, those are the best. Those are the best. Yes. Yes. This is like our little icebreaker too. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. I love that we did the little slumber party game so that it isn't just, it isn't just, hello, nice to meet you. Now let's get into the film conversation um exactly I don't, know, I don't know when you're talking to new people who you don't really, like just people you don't really know when you're talking to them whether it's in a class setting or something like that about art and media like if you don't know them really well they, there can be the tendency to like kind of just like flex or not say what you really think or I don't know just not say what you would normally want to say so I'm glad that we did our little icebreaker exactly like feel open feel free yes. like we are here for the convos and we're not just analyzing film. We're dishing about the film. We are just saying our unfiltered thoughts about this amazing film. Exactly. Exactly. Love it. I love that comparison. Because yeah. honestly, I was thinking about that when I did come up with the title for Film Spill. I'm like, well, you're spilling the tea about film. If you can't tell, I like the motto, spilling tea. Oh, so. yeah. It's a great, it's a great motto. <laughs> I always like the little... Um, Kermit emoji like that like oh the my gift. gosh the Kermit sipping tea yeah I have a sticker that <laughs> yeah. I love it so much it's, it's perfect <laughs> all right guys well we're gonna get right into the film 
today, like I stated before, we're going to be talking about Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, which is available to watch on Hulu. This discussion will contain spoilers for the film. So if you haven't already seen it, go watch and come back afterwards to hear our thoughts. Yes, go watch. It's so good. You will not regret it. Tell me, why did you choose this film for us to discuss today? Okay, yes. So I saw this film for the first time really just like a month ago. It's pretty new. It came out last year. And I just loved it so much. And I, when I was looking through the films to potentially discuss today, I realized, oh my gosh, there's so much to say about this because it is just such a different kind of film than um, a lot of the other ones I was thinking and a lot of them that are popular right now. And also it did come out so recently and I just haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, even though it really is an amazing, interesting film. Um, And I love films that are really frank and discussing sexuality and especially um, a movie that's primarily about an older woman and her sexuality and her self-confidence. And you just don't really see that a lot. So that's the main reason I picked it. Um, Emma Thompson, who's an amazing actress, does a great job in this film. And it's just, yeah, everything about it is just, uh, I just, I just really love this film. So, Well, Stella told us a little bit about what it's all about primarily. So it was pretty interesting that the premise of this film happens all really in one location which is the hotel room. And so Stella will give us a little synopsis about what the film's about. (laughs) Okay, wait, so yes, it is the premise of the film is that there's an older woman played by Emma Thompson and her husband has died a few years ago and she's decided that she wants to take a risk and hire a male sex worker to um, just kind of help her let loose. She's also never had her, she's never had an orgasm before because her husband was, you know, not very giving in bed. Um, But yeah, anyway, the whole name thing. So she plays a woman who calls herself Nancy. And then the sex worker who she hires, um, his name is, well, his his, it's not his real name, but his professional name is Leo Grand. Um, And this is about them and their discussions and their journey. And it's it's just really interesting yeah and it's and they're the main two characters in the film there are just there are a few other side characters but it's mostly just them yeah the movie mainly focuses on the dialogue and that's what i found interesting because there's not that many movies like that i've been Mm. watching a lot more that do all happen like in one location and that really just focus on the dialogue and the story behind each characters but this like you were saying before This was a film that you don't typically see. You don't typically see an elderly woman exploring her sexuality because she didn't have a fulfilled sex life and she wants to fulfill this. And these are like, you know, you're at this point of your life where you're trying to get things done that you weren't able to do earlier Mm -hmm. in life. Like this is like if you had like a month left to live type thing, what would you do? And she was fulfilling her like list of things. And it was it was a lot of like basic stuff that I feel like as a kid or as like a teenager, well, as a kid, hopefully you're not doing this as a kid, but like <laughs> as, as a, a teenager, as a younger person, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a younger person, you are exploring this type of part of like your sexuality. Mm-hmm. You're like, I mean, nowadays too, and what watching television shows, like they're pretty graphic. Like I feel like yeah. kids are now more advanced than before when it comes to sexuality and just like sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting to see like that 
she was so dedicated to him all these years that she wasn't able to explore other avenues, you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, something I really love about this film and just the way it treats the whole situation is that this is, it's definitely like, it. yes, it is about an older woman exploring her sexuality and having sex with a younger man and discovering what she likes and, um, you know, accepting that about herself. But that being said, like, it's very much like, this is definitely not like a popcorn, Fifty Shades of Grey, like, that. It's it's definitely not that kind of tone. Like, it's definitely not like a romance novel kind of film. Um, it just, it treats the subject with a lot of respect, which is that she's an older woman and she's never had an orgasm. And that, I don't know, I just think it's so interesting and important that it does view that topic as like something that is important. And it's not just like, some kind like it views having a fulfilling sex life as something that is really important to your well-being and your growth rather than just like a little treat or something like more i don't know more trite i guess like if you use that as something that is important and that people deserve to explore like it isn't not just it isn't just like a bonus to have a fulfilling sex life either with another person or by yourself like it is something that it view that the film kind of discusses as something that like people should be able to have. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And also that it wasn't just about her exploring her sexuality, but it was yeah. also them exploring each other and oh, their lives yeah. and understanding one another. Like she wanted to know more about him, even though he yeah. like became defensive and didn't want her to know anything yeah. about him, which yeah. is like, it makes sense. It's like when you're doing that type of work, you don't want your clients to know your life. Like, you know, you're, you're yeah. hoping to stay no, anonymous. Yeah. That was such an interesting aspect of it too. So the film is broken down into the three different, three? Yeah, three different, well, I guess four toward the end. But yeah, it's the four different sessions that she, the four different sessions where she books Leo as a sex worker for the night. Um, and they pretty much all take place in the same hotel room. Um, they do go to a cafe and talk at some point, but yeah, the majority of the film takes place in the same room. Um, and yeah, I definitely noticed the trajectory of that. Like, I think session one was about her getting over her fear of having sex and like getting rid of the judgment that she's having, um, for even booking him as a sex worker. And then two was a little bit more in depth about that. And yeah, like three was a lot more about him setting boundaries and him like, I don't know them talking about the limits of like okay what are the ethics of this like what are you allowed to know about me what is just for me all of that yeah because they do really they do get to know each other really personally and they do like really inspire each other and make each other think about different things but yeah like i think it's really interesting that like you see more of his point of view in that session and then the fourth session is them kind of making amends and um, and she has her first orgasm, which is exciting. So, um, yeah, no, it explores a lot. It's definitely not even just about the exploration of sexuality. It's about their relationship and things they have in common that they are like projecting onto each other a little bit, or just a lot of stuff. It's just, it's so good. It's so good. It's just so well-written. Let's talk about her first orgasm real quick. Yes. So this was interesting, right? I was not expecting this. So she ends up giving herself her own orgasm and not relying on Leo to do that for her. Mm -hmm. Plot twist, right? Which I think also goes hand in hand with you don't need 
another person to fulfill your needs, right? Yeah. Like, I, I, like a deeper message there. Or also like, you don't need a man to fulfill your orgasm type thing. Yeah. Like it was just like female dominance of your own body. Yeah. And just like loving yourself and enjoying your body and accepting what you want and accepting what makes you feel good, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, in that fourth session, it makes sense why she, why that's why she decides that's the last time they should meet. And she says, you know, the, the words of the title of the film, good luck to you, Leo Grand, because she does discover like she is enough for herself. And yeah, I think that's ultimately what all their conversations and explorations were leading to, which is really great. And the final scene is pretty touching when she's looking at herself in the mirror completely naked and yeah. you're not used to seeing an elderly woman be bare naked and looking yeah. at herself and she's feeling herself and she's feeling beautiful. She's feeling empowered again. Like it's, she, I love that. Yeah. I love that scene so much. It like almost brought me to tears. Yeah. You just, you never see women loving themselves on film like that, especially in a way that's so vulnerable and in a way that like doesn't objectify them. Um, yeah, it's just so interesting. Yeah, the, basically the final shot of the movie is her looking at herself naked in the mirror and she smiles to herself because she finally does view herself as beautiful and powerful. And it just, oh, I love it so much. The more, I, I don't know, it's just a feeling that everyone should be able to have and just something that you, do. yeah. And like, and like, just like see, even just seeing an elderly woman or I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't call Emma Thompson elderly, but like an older woman on screen um, in a way that's like sexy and liberated, but not objectifying them. It's just, you never see that. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I feel like this movie stood out to me. I was not expecting it. I didn't even hear about it. I did see it on Hulu being like mm -hmm. promoted on there, yeah. but there wasn't any ads or like Nothing yeah, on social media, really. It really wasn't. Oh, my gosh. Which is a whole other thing. This is, like, I do have kind of a bone to pick with, like, whoever marketed this movie. Because, yeah, I don't really know anyone who's seen this movie. But it did come out last year, pretty recently. And it's such a good film. And it didn't really get any awards buzz, which really surprises me. Um, yeah, I think, I think Emma Thompson got nominated for Best Actress for... It was... I think it was either the... It was either the Critics' Choice or Golden Globes or something like that, but she didn't get Best Actress nominated for the Oscars, which I was super surprised by. Um, both the main actors in this film, I thought, should have gotten nominated, and they didn't, so that was weird to me. But, yeah, because their performances are incredible. I mean, have you looked at the Oscar nominations for this year? I have, yeah. <laughs> I was pretty disappointed. Yeah. For sure. Just, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I felt pretty neutral about the nominations, but like I, uh, the only thing that I was really, like I was really upset that this movie didn't get nominated really at all. Um, yeah. Yeah, especially because it is so character heavy. I mean, it's two characters essentially the whole time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I thought that was weird. Exactly. Like how can you keep that interesting in a story? And that's why the screenplay is so important is your you're not just diving into what's surrounding the characters, right? What's going yeah. on around them, like people who are interacting with them, who are creating like cause and effect. Like, no, this whole story is happening in one place. And so how are you going to drive the story? What are you going to do? What's the whole purpose of this story? Like there has to, you have to go deeper into each yeah. character. And that's why those so conversations deep. happen mm -hmm. is because, you know, 
it's made to have a purpose as to why each character is doing what they're doing at this current time of their lives. Right. Yeah. And I feel like oh that God, yeah. plays into effect with us as people. Like, why do we do certain things at this point of our lives? Right. But we should also be able to talk about it and also be able to see these types of things. And that's why this movie was an eye opener. Like, Oh, that is, that is something that could happen. Right. That is something that yeah. does happen. Um, and we don't really see it. And so no, not what else all. in our lives happen on a daily, right? Or like happen in people's lives in general on a daily, but aren't talked about or like that we don't really like see yeah. in film. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really such a different kind of film for both the main characters because Nancy, like we talked about, is an older woman who wants to explore sexuality. You never see that. And then Leo is a male sex worker, which you also don't really see a lot unless it's, you know, something like Magic Mike where they're, you know, where it's a cash grab, where they're being objectified. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those, but like they're just never, I've just never seen anything where there's a character who's a male sex worker, especially who's really explored in depth and taken seriously. And yeah, so it, it is just a very different kind of film. They're both going through journeys that you don't really see a lot on screen. Um, and yeah, they're, they're also just two characters that you wouldn't expect to have such a connection or teach each other so much, but they do. And it's, it's just, it's great to see. And because it's such a, almost such a commonplace situation, um, I don't know, you just wouldn't think that that much self-exploration and that much self-discovery could happen between two people in these kind of circumstances, but they do. Yeah, exactly. And also the fact that this film was like filmed in London mm -hmm. and in or like London, England. So they had accents, right? And there was different types of like slang that are yeah. used that we don't typically I use love in like the American yeah. language. And I know I love that too, because you're like, oh, I would say it like this or like that's how you actually <laughs> say it. So it's neat to see those different like terminologies for things. Yeah, and especially just because I think, I think the I think a common misconception about British people is that they're like more proper, that they are more conservative, um, and that's definitely not the case with this. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, well, I mean, I guess something else about that is, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this has to do with um, Emma Thompson's character Nancy's um, upbringing in Britain, or if it's just more of a like, you know, just society at large is expectations of women. But yeah, like she was talking about how she used to be a religious educator. Nancy used to be a religious educator. And now she's doing like <laughs> the last thing you'd expect that person to do, which is hiring a sex worker to teach her about the ways she can explore her body. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's something about like, I think being not even just being an educator, being in religion, that kind of thing. But I don't know, I think I think in Britain, especially even maybe more so than America, there are these like social expectations of, you know, having the right manners. And these are the things we talk about. These are the things we don't. And of course, all that is happening in America too, like to a large extent. But I don't know, like, I think that is kind of a layer on top of it that I didn't even think about. Yeah, no, you're right. As an actress, could you see yourself doing sex scenes for television or film? Yeah, I think so. It just, it really depends on, I think it would depend on if the sex scene was gratuitous or not um, and how it was treated. I don't know. I feel like most sex scenes are 
a little bit like they're either gratuitous or unrealistic. And so those ones, you know, it kind of depends on the project. If it was a project I, would re I was really passionate about, I would. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I do think that actors are becoming more open now about saying like, like, um, like Sydney Sweeney on Euphoria. I know that there were some scenes where she was supposed to be um, topless and she told Sam like, oh, I don't think I should be topless here. It's not really necessary. I don't know. I think it like it depends if I had an open dialogue with the director or writer in that way, which it seems like people are more open to now. Um, so yeah, I guess it really just depends. How about you? I just couldn't personally do it just because one, I'm not even comfortable with my body. If I oh, was for yeah. sure, but like, I'm not. It is hard. <laughs> and and like, you definitely shouldn't have to, if you don't want to. And like, there are millions of people looking at you naked. Like that's your body, you know? Oh, so there's no God. hiding it. It's out in the world. Like Sydney Sweeney back to like Sydney Sweeney. She got a lot of like backlash and uh, I don't know if you heard this, but she was getting like harassed. Her people were sending her nudes to her family and like she had to speak on behalf of that and like tell That's people to thing. stop. Yeah, exactly. So like, I mean, her family has seen her naked, obviously, because they've seen yeah. her work. <laughs> So like that's another thing. It's like yeah, but still, like wow, I don't know. God, people just yeah, people do not know how to have boundaries with artists. Like, come on, just because they're naked on screen doesn't mean they are like inviting you to send your nudes over. That's ridiculous. Yeah, and Emma Thompson kind of had the opposite problem. So like someone who's like young and beautiful, like Sydney Sweeney, and Emma Thompson is beautiful. Don't get me wrong, but you know someone like her, like she's facing just like insane objectification and harassment based on being nude on screen when she is like viewed as a sex symbol like against her will basically um and then emma thompson on the other hand she was terrified of getting naked for the film just because she thought oh my god people don't want to see an older woman naked on screen um yeah and like i she was really brave to do that just because people have so much judgment for older women's bodies um and yeah like i think older women like are allowed to be sexual in media and like there's just nothing gross or weird about it I think that us as humans need to start normalizing the fact that like that we we all have bodies right we all have different yeah. bodies and like we haven't normalized it enough like I feel like in the early 200s we were like the early 200s early 200s. 2000s <laughs> in the 200s right? yeah. in the BCs <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, we like shame sex like sex was so bad and mm -hmm. now I think we're starting to get to a point where we're seeing it a lot more in film and television where we need to like normalize it that like sex happens and sex happens at an earlier age than people think that it happens like yeah and later know, like, and later and later you know to each its own but that, like, we should all be, like, you know, embrace our bodies, embrace mm -hmm. people's bodies, and just, like, find normalization in seeing other people's bodies. But yeah. I think that because it's not normalized, that people see it in a different way. Yeah, it's so weird. And, I mean, that is something that um, Emma Thompson's character, Nancy, talks about. She talks about, I mean, when her and Leo first meet, he walks in and he says, oh, that perfume is so lovely. What is it? And she says, oh, it's Coco Chanel. And he says, very sexy. 
and she's kind of taking it back and she's like, oh, I thought you were going to say sexy for your age. Like I, I'm always used to this, the for your age after any compliment. And that is something that keeps coming up because she, during the first session, she's so stressed about like showing him her body and even doing it just for so many different reasons. Um, but she keeps asking like, well, what if, like, I don't know, like, are you going to have to pop a pill? Are you even going to find me attractive? Um, are you going to be repulsed by my body? And she's so surprised when he says no, like there's always something to fancy with my clients and you're not an exception. And yeah, I just thought that was so cool too. Like it's, it doesn't view him having sex with her as like, oh, wow, poor you, you have to have sex with an older woman. Like he views it as something that's sexy and normal. So yeah, I mean, it, it really, it really does a lot in that way. And I think this is something that a lot of people should watch. Exactly. Yeah, that's something that I noticed too. Like he doesn't make her feel less than what she is, right? Yeah. He embraces her and he he wants to fulfill her goals. Like, and mm -hmm. there's some moments where you're feeling that awkwardness, like yeah. when she's got she wants to give him his like her first ever blowjob. Like she's never given oh, yeah. given a blowjob before. And she keeps like going back and forth. Is she gonna do it? She's not gonna do it. And then when she finally decides to do it he wasn't awkward about it. He was like, go for it. Like, yeah. And you see him I'm enjoying and you see this shot of his face, like kind of enjoying it too. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, it just does so much in that way of showing that older women can be sexy and really be in touch with themselves in that way. Um, and that young people aren't like always repulsed by it um, and they shouldn't be. So yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, I know she does, she does on that topic. Yeah, she does a lot of sexual things for the first time because like we said, her husband had died a couple years before and basically she explains to Leo, yeah, like for 30 years, it's always been the same. My husband would rub my shoulders a little bit and then get on top, do it, and then put his pajamas on and go to bed without a word. Um, and you know, I mean, you just, it, I mean, I feel like a lot of people probably have relationships like that. And that's another thing, like like what you were saying earlier about how what she has and hasn't done, like might be viewed as like inexperienced by more young, liberate, sexually liberated standards, just because you're like, oh, yeah, like I've tried that before. I've done that before. Um, but she hasn't because she was with a man who was sexually selfish and really stunted her in that way. And because she was such a rule follower, like she just didn't feel like she had the right to say anything or ask for what she wanted. Um, and the one time that she does, the one time that she, she describes the story of how when she was a teenager, she had this sexual encounter with someone um, at the hotel, uh, at a hotel she was staying at on vacation. And she remembers that with such vivid detail. I think that's so interesting. Like, like that's something that happened to her when she was a teenager, like years ago, it was a one-time encounter with someone she never talked to again, but she remembers it with so much detail because like, it was actually like, you know, sexy to her <laughs> and she like, hasn't had that. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, I would imagine that there are a lot of women older or even, or even younger women who have been in kind of repressed situations who can relate to this. Yeah. And it makes you feel for her. Like, I felt so sorry for her that um, she had a partner who didn't want to fulfill her needs, who didn't even seek that that was important, that she yeah. deserved pleasure as well. So it goes to show that like, you know, those things that you have to pay attention in a partner may, may start fading over time. 
you know, where people don't do the same things anymore. And like, that's why it's so important to like, they say, quote unquote, keep the love alive, you know, do things for each other. Cause like both of you guys matter. What's so interesting about her situation is she, it sounds like based on what she said, that was how it was the whole time. Like he never made an effort. I felt for her. Like I felt bad that he wasn't attentive to her and that I, I felt like she deserved this time. Like she deserved to go like, have her needs met and to find, even if it was a sex worker, like people think that like finding a sex worker so belittling, but he even goes to show and he like talks about some of his other clients and what he's there for. Like, he isn't just there for sex. Like sometimes it's just company or just to like be there or just to fulfill someone's need for that short amount of time. And um, I didn't even think she was going to keep hiring because she was like, you're expensive. I'm going to, I can only do this like one other time. And it was like two more times. I'm like, damn, how much is he? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm sure he was a lot. He is a very handsome guy. Um, um, he is. A very handsome and very sweet guy. So I could see why he charges a lot because he, he's definitely like, you get, you get what you pay for. Like he's definitely worth it. Like he makes her feel I mean, what, that's what's so nice, too, is, like, he makes her feel so comfortable, and he really, really helps her, like, feel like it's okay to ask for what she needs, and, I mean, that's how he, he really helps her grow, and, you know, if he does that, if he did that with her, I'm sure that's what he does for his other clients, too, which is a service worth paying for, absolutely. How did you feel about the end when they depart, and she says that this is going to be the final service, because, yeah. you know, she fulfills her needs, finally? Yeah, I thought that made a lot of sense because before the last time they met, the the second to last time they met, when he, she was kind of violating his boundaries because she had found out his real name on the internet um, and she was asking just like too many personal questions and going a little bit too far. And then when she apologizes to him in the fourth session, she says, in a way I like wanted to be real and I overstepped and I'm really sorry. Um, and yeah, that was just an, an interesting thing to go into as well. So I think it made sense why she said like, okay, I guess this will be the last because she, cause they connected, they did a lot of things that made her feel sexually ready to do more. And so I think because like she is also, she also, because she wanted it to be real and she knows that it isn't and that she can't, you know, overstep her boundaries. Like, I think it makes sense why she said, okay, I, I think this should be last. This was, this was great you've taught me a lot and now she can use her newfound confidence that he gave her to explore maybe like more intimate relationships with other people who she meets in real life or dates or otherwise so I thought that made a lot of sense I felt like they were growing into an actual relationship that was hard to tell (laughs) that was hard to tell um and I kind of I don't know at first I wanted them to get together for real but then I realized, no, I think it makes sense that they that they could learn from each other without going there and that he could keep going. Yeah, I don't know. It, I think it could have gone either way. Like, I would have been happy if they got together or um, the outcome, which is that they didn't. I don't know. Either way, like, it just I, I do think it is a very beautiful idea that someone who's in your like someone in your life for a brief time could like have that impact on you. And it doesn't necessarily have to keep going I don't know yeah I think it could I would have been happy either way it's true but it's so sad to think about that like oh when something good is like in your life right Mm -hmm. and then you know it's time to finally let go 
or for yeah. it to end. And you're like, well, that was a nice ride, right? Yeah. But you also have that like little piece of you or that like little part of you that hopes that it would have continued that like maybe it could have been more than what it was yeah oh it's so interesting yeah and I mean she even what was it that she said the last she said something to him in their last talk about she says you're the only adventure I've ever had I mean throughout the film we see a lot of her spiraling and a lot of her hesitance to hire him and keep hiring him and do things with him is because like she does have such an internalized sense of shame for hiring a sex worker and um doing anything that's kind of like not societally accepted as like the right thing to do um but she really gets over that and she does say something along the lines of like you are the only adventure i've ever had in that like she's always followed the rules she was a religious education teacher she this is like the opposite of everything like she thought she would be doing um and i, I get why like if someone like, I get why if someone says, like, you're the only adventure I've ever had, like, it would be more conducive to their growth if they didn't rely on that person anymore. Like, I think, like, she just really needs to explore it herself. And she's learned from Leo and she's gained confidence from him, but, like, she doesn't want to rely on it, I guess, which I think, I think makes sense. Yeah, like, she doesn't want to rely on him. Yeah. She wants to continue learning and growing on her own with the yeah. time that she has left in her life. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great film. It really is. It's lengthy for yeah. sure. And you really do have to keep up with it. Like you have to pay attention to the dialogue. Like that's what oh, this yeah. film is about. Yes. I, I personally love dialogue heavy films. <laughs> um, I think maybe it's, maybe it's the theater in me. I just, I love character studies and dialogue heavy films. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do think that it really works. I don't know. Cause that's something I was thinking about too. I was just like, Oh, this would have made a really good play too. But I get why it was a film because one, just the accessibility of like other people should see this, like a lot of different people should be able to see the story, but also the visual elements really help it too. Like the score is so good. And then the visual of just like being in the same hotel room. And I don't know, I guess, I guess like it's better for film too, just because then like the sex acts don't have to like be in real time necessarily. Um, so yeah, yeah, it definitely, I mean, it, it is a relatively short film. It's like an hour and a half, but you do have to pay attention. But I love a short and punchy film, so. Yeah, and like, hopefully this film encourages others to start talking about this and to yes. start making films like this. Because I, I we need more of this. Like literally, this is the wow. only film that I've ever watched that has this type of topic where- yeah. It's explored that women of all ages can enjoy sexual pleasure. Yes. Yeah. And that it's something that people, <laughs> um, Nancy and Leo even have like, it's kind of a joke, but they have this conversation where they say, um, or <laughs> she calls him, I don't remember what she calls him exactly, but she calls him like a sexual saint or something like that. And she says something along the lines of, wow, this should be a public service. Um, and he says, yeah, I mean, the world would probably be a lot better that way. Like if people embraced pleasure and made it a priority, people would be a lot nicer to one another. Um, so that's just a, a fun little tidbit from the film too. And yeah, I mean, it is, it really, really is. It's definitely not something to deprioritize, I guess. Um, and a lot of women do, <laughs> a lot of women do because they feel like they shouldn't ask for, excuse me, they feel like they shouldn't ask for what they want or like it's not important and, you know, because she feels so much responsibility as 
a mother and otherwise like she feels like okay I got to put my pleasure on the back burner and focus on this other stuff when it shouldn't be that way in reality exactly we deserve pleasure everyone deserves pleasure and that shouldn't be shamed either like we're all sexually driven right we Mm -hmm. all we all have desires so why not why not go for it and I Uh, think that you shouldn't hold back like if you feel like you're not getting pleasured there's something wrong (laughs) yeah yeah like you should be able to ask for what you want and go after it and she feels I mean in the first session especially she feels so much shame about hiring a sex worker she goes through this entire spiral that lasts such a long time before they even do anything because she's not even just she's that that she's nervous is that she feels like oh my god am I like just a total pervert for hiring hiring you like this was a bad idea she tells him at one point uh you can leave uh it's it's okay uh I'll just pay for you anyway but you can leave um and he encourages her to not feel that shame anymore yeah I know that's what's so great about him I think his character helped her build that confidence that it was okay and that also that what he's doing is what he values as his type of employment yeah you know that he he doesn't see any shame in it as a service yeah he's like this is a service I provide and I'm not ashamed of it I'm proud of it yeah like he he's like this is what my body does like I hope you feel that pleasure like it's just it was so weird to think about it so differently but I'm like it makes sense right oh yeah also just that okay yeah my last thing that I want to really applaud this film for is that it does show more of the psychology of you know how people feel nervous about sex or awkward about it and it's not even just all the internalized shame and internalized like misogyny that like she has about herself and about how she feels ashamed to be an older woman with the desires that she has but also I mean I think it's very real about showing that sex is like not a linear process and that it does take a certain level of comfortability to go into and that people do need different things and that it isn't always a seamless process like I feel like in films in particular um especially those that a lot of people see sex scenes are just so they're just not really realistic because if if you it is shown that people are nervous about having sex it's usually a younger person who is afraid to have sex for the first time or something like that which is just seen as more palatable to audiences especially male audiences because they like get some kind of like i don't know they get some kind of pleasure out of that and it's you know it's less for the story and more just to like cater to audiences at that point but then also, I don't know, sex scenes and movies and TV, especially, I don't know, like they're just like too, they go too easily in a way. Like you don't really see the awkwardness. You don't see the nervousness. And like I said, if you do, it's usually like not super nuanced. Um, it's kind of just like, oh yeah, we're just going to go for this like perfect tumble where we don't have any questions and we're not nervous about anything. And, you know, you see this like big exaggerated orgasm and, you know, everything's great. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I feel like in sex scenes, it's always just a given that like they're going to mutually orgasm and everything's going to go perfectly when that's just not how sex is. Um, So I love that in this movie, you see all the thought behind it. But then even in the sex scene, at some point, at some point she says like, oh, can we switch around to this? I'm not sure if I like this. Or, oh, I can't like bend like that. (laughs) I just can't do that. Um, You see them switching around. You see like little dialogue exchanges. 
And you just don't really see that in sex scenes usually. Usually like they don't say a word and they just go for it and it's this like steamy, passionate moment and then you see them cuddling in bed. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just not how it is. Like it just goes so much differently than that most of the time. So I really like that too. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, all right, we we all know that it it's fake because of yeah. just like how intense it can be sometimes, you know? Yeah, it's too like, intense. It's too perfect. Like that's just not how it is. Especially when people are getting thrown on the wall. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know about all that. <laughs> yeah, no, in so many different scenarios, it goes slower and different than that. And at some point you see, like some points you see them having sex or or he's going down on her and then they take a break to talk and then they go back into it or they don't. Um, and, and before she has her first orgasm, they have sex and she enjoys it, but she still doesn't orgasm, which is a thing that happens very, very commonly. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought the way that it portrayed, um, like the progression of sex was just more realistic and just inviting of that. Yeah. And especially under like the circumstance that they were in, you know, they, it was gradual. Like she wasn't like, okay, after day one, I feel comfortable with you and let's get, let's get, get ready for this. You know, it took her time. And then when they finally got there, it was a process, you know, that would actually happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just love that also with the way that this was portrayed, which I'm sure is because the, because they had a female director, the framing was just never, it was never objectifying to either of them. Um, It didn't, you know, it didn't sexualize either of them in like an overtly objectifying way. It really just showed it realistically. But at the same time, like it showed, yeah, like when it showed him, like you barely really saw anything of him. Like you see his butt at some point, but it, it, there's definitely nothing like too graphic with him. Um, and then you see some shots of his face, um, experiencing pleasure and things like that. But again, nothing really exaggerated. And then with her, like you see her laughing and smiling and she, and like, and she does look beautiful. Like Emma Thompson is so beautiful. And like, you can tell like her character is genuinely like letting go and enjoying herself, which is a beautiful thing to see, but it doesn't do so in a way that, you know, objectifies her or like views her as like a cougar or a milf or something like that. Like it just shows like a real woman experiencing real pleasure or whatever it is she's feeling. Um, And at the end, when it shows her nude, like, it doesn't like pan up or do anything male gazy. It's just like a full body shot of her looking at herself in the mirror. Um, and it just looks at her in like a very neutral way, which I think is kind of hard to achieve. So I, I really like that a lot too. Yeah, you don't see those types of shots often. The last time I saw that type of shot was just recently because I watched The Diary of a Teenage Girl. And there's a shot there. Really good film. You should definitely watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I'm going to put it on my list. <laughs> but similar take where she's in front of the mirror and she's bare naked. And I mean, the camera's on there for a while, right? Where we're just focusing on her body. But like, that's such a hard thing to do yes. is to like stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself naked, just in general. Yeah. Like, just like that's when you're like, I feel like most vulnerable. Is yeah. you staring at yourself and you're staring at your quote unquote, what you may see as imperfections, or maybe like you see them as beauty. Like we all see ourselves differently. So like that is such also an important message as well that like, we all just have these thoughts about our bodies that 
are just like, it's just so, it's so hard to just grasp that idea how, um, how vulnerable we are with ourselves and our bodies in, yeah, just, just as a whole. Yeah, it's such a difficult thing to capture. And I think this film does it really beautifully and in a way that doesn't, yeah, that just, it just, it's just real. It's, it's not, yeah, I don't know. It's, there's just so many different ways it could have gone that wouldn't have worked as well. And they, they really did that (laughs) in a way that, you know, I just think a lot of people will really resonate with. Well, this is definitely going to be a film that I recommend to people to watch for sure. Especially like who doesn't have Hulu? Like we all have Hulu, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Go watch this film. It was severely snubbed. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So we'll do the marketing for them. Yeah. (laughs) A year later, but we'll still do it. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our time here at Film Spill Pond. Thank you so much again for coming on. It was such a pleasure to talk to you about this film. More than welcome to come back whenever you'd like to talk about another film. I would love to. And I want to hang out when you move to LA. So (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening. This has been Film Spill, a movie night podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest. All are at Film Spill Pod. Tell a friend about the podcast if you like and leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That will help other people find Film Spill too. Special thanks to Onyx Films for promoting us. You can check out Onyx's other projects at onyx-films.com. And then Stella, if you'd like to plug in your socials where we could follow you and maybe potential projects coming up. Yeah, thank you. So I, my social media is, I mostly use Instagram. So that's Stella Emilia, Emilia with an E. So S-T-E-L-L-A-E-M-E-L-I-A at Stella Emilia. Um, and you can also see on there, I have a link tree that has my short film on it, Pauline and Mercedes. Um, and I don't have anything coming up at the moment, but when I do, you'll be able to see it on there. So give me a follow. This has been great. Thank you so much, Chelsea. Until next time, don't cry over spilled film.